Let's let's have a seat. Get straight into it. Who's uh, who had a fantastic Australia Day? Yep, very cool. Yeah, we did. We went we went and celebrated Australia Day in the, in the in just the, the beautiful waters of Old Beach, and uh, actually had a lot of fun with some people. Um, I, I know that Anthony was able to put his his cricket prowess and put it on display for everybody. Bring his bring his bat, his bat that he assures us has made two hundreds, and it's still got. How how long since it made a hundred, Anthony? That bat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I, I thought that. Thought that. Pastor Alex sends her apologies. She's not really apologising, but she she would love to be here. But Alex is at our Derwent Valley campus this morning, and and. Actually, I just want to acknowledge um, Pastor Alex, who happens to be my wife, uh, but, but her, her commitment to, to what we're doing in the valley. Um, you know, I know, I know she misses everybody here a lot, and we miss having her here, um, but she's got a strong commitment to what we're doing in the valley and, and is, is in the valley a lot. Um, she's not the, the service pastor there now, but she's still, um, you know, helping out very, very strongly. So, so we miss her, but she's up there encouraging people. So that's why she's not here. So often you, you don't see Alex here sometimes when um, she's not having a morning off. She's, <laughs> we, we get up and, and head off in different directions so often as we go to church. All right, a couple of weeks ago when I preached last, I asked the question, it was a new year, what, what now? What's next? You know, it, it's sort of a, a bit of a delineation in time, but really nothing changes. You know, the, the, even the season doesn't change. It's, you know, we're in the middle of summer and you know, you, you, you've got December, you've got January, but, but in some ways in our, in our thinking, we use those things to, to actually to, to put some delineation in and say, well, what would be the difference between last year and this year? Or what's going to be the difference next year? We, we sort of think about that. And, and sometimes we can be sort of a bit cynical and say, yeah, well, nothing changes. You know, we just go on. And, and that's how we live. Or, or we can actually even use those things to, to actually be significant landmarks to help us move forward to where we need to go. And, and so at that time, when your thinking's a bit like that, you know, so many people get to a new year and say, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to eat so much in the new year, or I'm going to get to the gym, or I'm going to drink less alcohol, whatever it is, people, people sort of use that as an opportunity, and, and normally they make it through the first three weeks of January, and after that, it, it sort of gets back to where it was, and, and life goes on. But, but what now? My, my question a couple of weeks ago is, what's your next move? What's next? If you want to move into the things that God has for you, if you want your life not to be a boring old, same old, same old, sometimes we've actually got to ask that question, what's next? Even when we've been around a long time, when we sort of know what we're doing, but to be really fresh and say, you know, what's next? What has God got for me next? And, and I think that goes further than just a new year. You know, what's, what's next? in a new week? What's next when you get up in the morning? What's next even in a day where you can actually be thinking quite deliberately about what is next rather than just letting it flow and letting it happen? You know, sometimes we grizzle and complain about our life, about circumstances, about situations, but if we, if we zoom back and analyse it a little bit, you know, what have we actually put in place to get to where we want to go? 
uh, we, we can complain about everything and, and say, oh, it just happens to me. I get a raw deal all the time. Or why do all these things happen to me? I've said that stuff. And, but if we look at it, what have we actually done to help us move to where we want to go? So that's what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And I want to continue with that. What's next? Joshua, the great general that led Israel into their promised land. And he lived his life pretty much in, in three seasons. I only talked about two of them last week. But, but he grew up and he was born a slave. He was, he was born in Egypt and he, he, was, he, he probably went through a, a similar experience to Moses. He was probably put in the Nile River to be hidden from the authorities like many of the other Hebrew boys were at the time. So, so that was the start of his life. He was a slave. He, he didn't know anything about, about making decisions, about doing what, what he wanted to do. He basically had to do what he was told. That was the first season of his life. Then the second season was one of transition where they went from being slaves to being free people and, and, and finding themselves in a wilderness. And his third season would be one of, of moving into possession. You see, a slave doesn't own anything. A slave is a possession. Whereas, you see, what God had to do with the, the Hebrews was help them go from people who were slaves, who thought like slaves, and, and, and just that was their whole world, to being people who could actually take possession of what he had for them. And, and so often we know what we think's ahead of us, but are we willing to take it on? Are we willing to take possession of what has actually been promised to us? And, and that was the big, big challenge that they had. So to step into a new year, to embrace what's next. Last week we looked at, you've got to let go, a couple of weeks back, three weeks ago I think it was, let go of your past, step into your time, and step up with strength and courage. So Joshua, as I said, was born a slave. He didn't know anything about possession because slaves are possessions. And that was his experience. That was his mindset. And, and, and he started to understand what it was about living free. He started to understand what it was to serve Moses. But right when it was his moment... God comes to him and speaks, and he says, After the death of Moses, this is Joshua 1, 1 to 11, and we looked at this a few weeks ago. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, uh, you will be on the land I've given you from the Negev wilderness to the south of to the Lebanon mountains in the north from the Euphrates in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites. No one, listen to this, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And then he says again, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. I, and then he goes again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. 
So he's actually even ramps it up. This is my command, going from, hey, it's a good idea to be strong and courageous. This is my command. I'm actually saying to you as emphatically as I can, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you in whatever you do. Down to verse 10. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land your Lord your God is giving you. So, and then, then verse 16, then Joshua answered, we will do whatever you command us and we will go wherever you send us. So when, when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, for God, the God of the universe, who all things are possible, The easy thing for him, it sounds funny to say the easy thing for God, because, you know, there, there are things that he, he actually can't control because he's actually given us as people a free will. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't control our decisions. He doesn't control our heart. He doesn't control the way that we think. He doesn't control our mindset unless we choose to yield it to him. But the, the easy thing for him was getting the Hebrews out of Egypt. I mean, he, he, just, he just did his God stuff. You know, he, he put enough pressure on, on the king of Egypt, on Pharaoh. He just put enough pressure on the, on the Egyptian people that he said, if you don't let these people go, your life is just going to keep getting worse. And, and they were stubborn, as you know, and, and, and it had to get pretty bad for them. And, and eventually, they let the Hebrews go. That was the easy bit. So getting them out of Egypt wasn't actually that hard for God. But you know what? It took him 40 years to get Egypt out of the people. So they were free. They could do whatever they wanted. They could go wherever they wanted to go. They were walking around in a wilderness. But the problem was, and why they did not take possession of the promises he had for them, was that they were still full of Egypt. They were born slaves. They were born in a culture. They were born in a mindset. They were born in an understanding. They were even born in a thinking that went beyond their slavery to, to all that Egypt represented, and they were so full of Egypt that when it came time to take possession and walk into what was promised for them, they weren't able to do it. What's next? You see, so often we don't step into what's next because we're so full of what has been that we can't take hold of what's next because we can't grab hold of what God has for us. You see, we, we can either make some decisions about allowing God to remove and I'm speaking metaphorically here, the Egypt or the world or the past or the slavery or those things that would want to control your life. You know, and I'm talking about the way that we think. I'm talking about the things that we take into, in, you know, into, into our bodies. I'm talking about all those things that would actually want to control you and your world and your future and your destiny. You know, if we would allow God to get that stuff out of us, well, then we can actually truly embrace what's next. And maybe when, when some pastor starts to talk about this stuff, you start to feel like, gee, I've heard all this before, or you start to feel a bit... Urgh. Why is it that that happens? Well, I would say that we're all the same, and I put my hand up just like I, 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 anybody else would here. It's the Egypt in us. It's, it's the stuff that is there that actually wants to 
control our life and wants to be our master. And it doesn't matter whether, whether you're somebody that's it's, it's walking through something that's really out there and obvious. You know, maybe, maybe you're walking through a, you know, an addiction or a, or, 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 or a controlling relationship or something that's, that's very easy to see. Or there are those things that are just as equally powerfully controlling our lives that are not so easy to see. We're, we're, we're all on that journey somewhere. We're all in that at some level. Um, we're all on that. It says this in Exodus 6, 6 to 7. And this is, once again, this journey about people going from slavery to freedom to possession. And here's the promise that God made the Hebrews at that point. And these promises are for anybody who steps into the kingdom of God. And Exodus 6, 6 and 7 says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord your God. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. I will take you, listen to this, I will take you as my people, I will be your God, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now, when you read that, you can think about that in a historical sense, or you can actually make that real time, and you can put your own name in there. Therefore, say to Leone, therefore, say to Johnny or Warren, therefore, say to Pete, I am the Lord your God, who will bring Leone out from under the burdens of those things that would control her life. I will rescue you from that bondage. And I will redeem you. In other words, I will buy it back. I will actually pay the price so that that thing no longer has any power over you in any way, shape, form whatsoever unless you choose to let it have. I will take Leone as my girl. And I will be her God. Then she shall know that I am the Lord her God who brings her out from under the burdens of this world and her past. See, there are four I wills there. And, and I will bring you out. That refers, to, that refers to salvation. That refers to when you come and say, Lord Jesus... I believe that you are the Son of God and I'm going to surrender my life to you right now and I am going to repent. That means to turn around and follow you. That's the first promise. I will free you. I will give you a safe and sure and certain eternity. I will make sure that you are my own. And the second one is I will rescue you from your bondage or I will rescue you, them from their bondage. That, that, that refers to deliverance. Woo, it's a big word, isn't it? But you know what? Deliverance, and I'm going to talk about this more as the year goes on, because we, as people, need to be delivered so that we can live out the purpose that God created us for. See, deliverance is not for people with demons. It is for people with demons, but it's, 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 if, you, if you just look at it like that, what you're doing is you're completely disempowering what this whole thing is about. 
deliverance is for anybody who struggles with what the Bible calls a sin nature. And if you're part of the human race, guess what? That's you. See, salvation is not about being religious or joining a church. It's about giving Jesus control of your life and, 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 and repenting and, and, and following him. See, deliverance is not something that happens instantly. You see, salvation is pretty instant. When your heart, and you get to a place where, where the Bible's really clear, it says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And if you will look at the salvation, yeah, it goes beyond that. You will be saved. You are being saved and, 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 and you were saved. It, it talks about it in each, each tense. But that happens in a moment. Deliverance is a process. Deliverance is a process. Deliverance is, is just allowing God to start to change your thinking and release the power of those things that would want to hold you down and keep you in bondage to them. It is the process if you go back to those verses in Exodus, of God allowing Egypt, again metaphorically, to come out of you so that you are free and able to say, hey, what's next? You see, if you're so, if you're so full of, of stuff that's not working, you don't want to know what's next, do you? Oh, my life's so busy and it's, oh, I can't get through all this. And people are talking about more. I wish they'd go away. Because you see, that, that has a hold of you. Because you're, you're, you're full. I'm not even just talking about the busyness. I'm talking about those things that actually want to kill vision and want to kill future and want to kill your receptivity to what God is doing. So, so that, that's deliverance. It's a process. God promises you deliverance. He promises that, that he will deliver you in the areas that you need deliverance so that you can get on with what he's called you for. And, and it says this in Romans 7, 25, 8 and 2. And, and Paul was really clear in his writings that he struggled with his sin nature. You know, he, he's, the, he's the, probably, you know, he's the most emphatic writer in the New Testament. He's the person that planted more churches than anybody else. He gave us a pattern in the way that we build churches and the way that we live. And he actually engaged with this stuff. And he said more than anybody else, I battle with my sin nature. And he says, so then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. So, so in his thinking, he'd actually chosen to say, you know what? I don't want to be a slave to, to those things around me in my past. I actually want to put myself under the authority of God's law. That, that's, that's my mindset. That's, that's where my thinking goes. But the sinful nature is a slave to the law of sin. The, and, that, but, and then that sounds like, wow, what am I going to do about that? But then he says, and I've been talking about this to people lately. He says, therefore, there is now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And one of the things that will drag you down more than anything else is condemnation. 
whether it's self-condemnation, whether it's um, loose words that other people speak, or whether it's your perception of what people or God might be thinking, condemnation just wants to drag you down and it wants to empower the sin nature. Because, because it actually says, okay, I'm not getting it right, I'm not get, making any progress, so all right, I'll just let the sin nature go. See, condemnation makes you feel like that. But if your mindset is, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, God is looking at you and he's cheering you on. When you've had a bad day, when you've lost it with your wife, when, when you've done something like that, he's actually saying, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you, I think you're amazing, and you are not condemned. You are not condemned. You are not condemned. And you know what? That completely disempowers that thing and allows you to step into what he has for you. That is what Paul was talking about. See, salvation takes care of our eternity, but deliverance determines the quality of our life while we're on earth. Salvation is instant. Deliverance is a process. So for Joshua to take the next step, to step into what was next, God needed to get Egypt out of him and out of all the people that he was leading. So I want to continue with with some of these things that I, I think are important to embrace what's next. Number one, I think we've got to take hold of God's core promises. The, 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 the scriptures are absolutely chock-a-block jam-packed with promises. But those core promises that... That, that are right there in, in those verses in Exodus that I referred to a, a minute ago, if we can take hold of them, you know what? We can actually step into what he has for us. So, you know what? Number one promise is you're saved. And, and you don't need to doubt that. You don't need to doubt that. I, I, I grew up in a church, which was a great church, and I refer to this because it had a big impact on, on my, my childhood and, and, and framed so much of my, my worldview and my thinking and my understanding of who God is and and I so appreciate that. One of the things that, that that church used to preach regularly was this thing called assurance of salvation. So they give you all these verses to, to help you understand that, that you're not going to lose your salvation. And perhaps one of the reasons that they felt the need to do that is that they, they didn't talk so much about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. You see, if you've got the Holy Spirit living inside you, you know you know and you feel him and he's there with you and you know that you're set apart, you know that you're called, you know that you're saved. But you know what? That's number core, one core promise. You are saved. You know, you're not, you're not going to just walk around and, and make a few mistakes and find yourself unsaved. It doesn't work like that. Jesus didn't die so that you could just get unsaved. Jesus died so that you would be part of his family, and it was done. You see, the the Bible tells us that the work that he did on the cross at Calvary is complete. He's not actually waiting for you to complete it. He's just waiting for you to embrace it and get hold of it. Number two promise is that that you've been delivered from slavery, your past. That's the getting Egypt out of you. That's changing your thinking. That's, That's changing your worldview from that of a slave to someone who is free to live. I shared some of our journey this year and, and there were just areas of our life for Alex and I where we felt a little bit stuck. And, and you know what? God doesn't want you to feel stuck in any area of your life. You know, it doesn't mean that you, this magic wand's going to be waved and suddenly, you know, your, your financial situation is just, you're going to go from, you know, sort of battling away in a, in a job to being some sort of tycoon. You know, that, sometimes we think it like that, but what he does 
promise is that you should not be controlled by your circumstance, but you actually have the capacity to always have a choice. And when we get to that point, it makes such a difference to our circumstances because our, our circumstances become subservient to what we're called to do. You see, as a slave, you don't make decisions. Your master makes them. First six says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. And then it says, verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Listen to this. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one. All right? To step into what God's got for you next, to embrace what's next, you've got to believe that you're the one. You're the one. You're the one. It's always easy for us to believe that somebody else is the one, isn't it? You're the one. You're the one. See, this was written to a whole group of people, but it was also very personal. You're the one. You're the one. What's next? You're, uh, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't even control what my wife does. Be much better for her if I could. But... Don't tell her. It's our little secret. When I say that, it gets back to her that quick. (laughs) You know, we can't even control stuff from people that are close or important to us, and nor should we want it. But we can. We can determine the decisions that we make. And, And you've got to say, I'm the one. I'm the one who's going to do this thing. I'm the one who's going to embrace what God has called me to do. I'm the one who, you know, for what we're doing with that pop-up festival in Bridgewater, it's sort of quite ironic, isn't it, that it's on the other side of the Jordan River out there. But you know what? He says, you know what? You're the one that can go there and make a difference. You're the one who, who can actually decide. We're not going to talk about this, but we're actually going to go out there and Lizzie and the team and Grant and others have, have said, you know what, we're the ones that are going to go out there and do a sausage sizzle and connect with people. We're the ones that are going to step in to that thing. You know what, what is it for you this year where you're going to say, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. And Anthony, I, I don't know, we talked last week and God hasn't finished with you. And I think he's saying to you this morning, there are some things where you're carrying in your heart and he's saying, you're the one. You're the one. You're the one. And, 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 and it's stuff that nobody else is, is going to take up, is going to carry, but, 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 but God is saying, you know what? I've, I've called you, Anthony, and you're the one. You're the one. You're the one to do it. You're the one to step up. And, and I, I believe, you know, the, the, the power and even stuff, I'm speaking prophetically, but it's a lot of stuff I know, of course. But I, I just believe that, the, the power of those things that feel like they are mastering parts of your life. You know, the, there's a window, there's an opportunity now where he says, you know what, you can, you can actually, you can disempower them, you can let them go, and, and you, can, you can say, oh, I'm the one. I'm the one. All right, step into a, to a new year to embrace what's next. Believe you're the one. And it goes on, it says this in, in Isaiah 43, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Isn't that cool? When you go through deep waters, I'll be there. Who's been through some deep waters this year? It's only a couple of weeks old. (laughs) 
who went through some deep waters last year. I, I look around here and, you know, I know lots of journeys and I can see, I can see people that have been through some incredible, incredibly deep waters. But you know what? You're still here. God is still faithful and, and his purpose for you has not changed. I will be with you. When you go through the rivers and difficulties, you will not drown. You will walk through the fire and oppression. You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Listen to this. You are called, you are his, you are protected, and you will make it. You're the one. You're the one who is called, you're the one who's protected, and you're the one who's going to make it. All right, step up to a new year to embrace what's next. You're going to love this one. They've all, all pretty much be. Be careful. I don't like saying that because my nature isn't to be careful. My, my nature is to take risks and, you know, being careful sometimes annoys me. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. All right. Speeding, for example. When I, when I was young... I just wanted to drive fast and somehow, probably deep down, believed it was my right. It cost me a lot of money and pain and suffering. Nowadays, I'm over that. But there's still a little bit of Egypt in me. And even though I don't get in the car, and I got, I got booked the other day, unfortunately... Pretty much victim status sort of thing. Because we've got to go down this steep hill and the cops sit at the bottom and anybody would go fast down there. So I'm a victim. Here you go. There's a fair bit of Egypt in that area in me still. And how do I, how do I avoid that? Well, actually, I've got to be careful. I've got to be careful. I've actually got to be careful and make a, 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 probably a, a much more determined decision than a lot of people do to say, I'm going to look at the speedo. I'm actually going to choose to, to, to actually drive within those limits and those laws that have been put there to protect us all. And I've got to be careful. And, and you know what? There are, there are things that God puts out there and we can think, oh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just stuff. But you know what, if, if we actually want to live in freedom, we've actually got to be careful to make sure those things are actually applied to our life and our world. Be careful. In other words, not be blasé about it. In other words, I'm not talking about being religious and being black and white and being dogmatic and, you know, and, and, and casting judgment on everybody else for what they're doing. No, what you do is you look at the Word of God and you're careful in how you apply it to your situation. Be careful. If we want to embrace what's next, we, we need to be careful. Often, often we can't do the things that we're called to do because we're still getting over the areas where we weren't so careful. To step into a new year, to embrace what's next, sort of sounds a bit the same, but it's, it's different. Be diligent. Be diligent. Don't you love this stuff? Everyone's getting excited. People love being careful and diligent. Come on. Let's get excited. Oh, we're careful. We're diligent. Rah! It's all right. I'm with you. Verse 8 says, 
Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you prosper in all that you do. And, and I, I think that the diligence it's referring to there is actually knowing the word. Knowing the word. See, the more you know the word, the more that it just automatically applies to your situation. You know, when you're a new Christian, you, you can say, you know, you can ask all sorts of questions. Oh, you know, this and this has happened. What do you think? And, you know, you meet somebody who's has been on the journey for a while and somebody who has been diligent in the word. And, and they'll say, oh, no, I reckon it could be like this. If the word says X, Y, Z about that. And they're not looking up a verse. They, they actually know it because they carry it in here. And that's a diligence in actually reading the word and looking at how it applies to your situation. And you can feel like that's a chore. And sometimes it is. But, but, but there is an incredible freedom in it, in, in the diligence, because it just automatically applies to your situation. When you, when you look at, at some of our musicians up here this morning, most of them... Uh, weren't, weren't playing, you know, really rigid to, 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 to a musical chart, maybe somewhere, but, uh, you know, they, they, weren't, they, they weren't reading all the notes specifically. Why, why can most of them do that is because they've actually spent some time in their life being diligent and understanding how the scales and understanding how the music works, which when they get hold of it, when it becomes second nature, it actually gives them the freedom to actually play without feeling like they're tied to that. They're, they're all laughing a bit because I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be nice if we were like that. But they are, they are. I'm, I, they're great, they're fantastic. But you it, it, see, it, it's the diligence that actually gives us the freedom. Not, not that exciting, not one of those sort of really cool sort of things, but it works. This, this one here, to step into what's next... I think we've got to be straight. And I'm not talking about your preferences. I'm talking about, it says, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. What I want to say is God doesn't change his mind. Have you, have you ever met someone that every time you talk to them, God's called them to something else? They come to you and, oh, I've had this amazing word from God, a revelation, and we're here. And then, and then a month later, oh, I, was, I was in the word, and, and actually now, you know, now I think I'm, I'm called to, to go to South Africa. And, and then you know, a, a few days later, they're going to Europe. And um, you know, all the... God doesn't change his mind. Let's be straight. It says, you know, not not to deviate from what he said to the left or the right. When, when there's a path before you, not, even, even more important than, you know, whether you're serving here, there, or, or wherever, is, is actually being true to the calling on your life, being true to those principles, being true to the fact that you are saved, that you are set free, that you are called, that you are not a bondage to sin, that, that, that he's working on, on Egypt coming out of you, that you're called into that. And then you, you don't need to be always going around looking for a new vision or looking for a new thing because it says, you know, don't deviate to the right or the left. And, and I think perhaps I reckon it's got even, it's, it's got harder for us in the days that we live, hasn't it? Because once, once there was time, maybe, maybe, maybe 60 or 70 
years ago that some of the, some of the values of our, of our country and society at large sort of appeared like they, they lined up more with the values that, that, that you have that you read in the Bible. It didn't mean that people were living them out, but it, it meant that there was sort of this overarching thinking that you could sort of a little bit get in the groove and just go with. And as you know now, our, 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 social, our social values certainly don't line up with what we read about in the Word of God in so many ways. And we can get all up in arms and we can do things like that. But you know what? I think the power in that for us as the church is to say that we need to know the Word of God. We need to know what it means and we need to have our revelation on that so that you know, when stuff happens, we don't find ourselves deviating to the right or the left. That, you know... Uh, all the things, you know, the laws change on marriage, hasn't it? And we're still here. We're still called. We're still going to where God has called us. So, you know, you'd all have different levels of thinking about all that, even in a room like this. But the important thing is, is to realise that it is so important that, you know, that you have decided that you're not going to deviate to the right or the left, but you're going to go with what God has called you to go. And you're going to walk that out, regardless of what happens over here or happens over there or happens here. You know, there's an incredible freedom in that. Yeah, you've got to work some of this stuff out. But let's, you know, let's, let's be straight up and down people. The people that are hardest to work with, aren't they, are the people that you don't know what you're going to get. They're like the, um, the box of chocolates that Forrest Gump talked about. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how they're going to respond in any given moment. Whereas, you know, the, the people that, that you can work with are, are the people that you know, you, you, you know they're going to go through stuff and, yeah, their mood might be a little bit different, but you essentially know what they're about. And there's an incredible power in that, you know, in being straight with what God has called us to do. The, the band want to join me, please. We'll, we'll finish in a few minutes. As we move towards Vision Sunday, one of the things that that we want to really, really highlight, and it's, I'm deliberately talking about about this stuff now, is is the journey that we're actually all on in being disciples. See, we we can have we can have incredible vision, and and we do, like you know we're. We're doing a, a, a pop-up festival and we, we've said that part of our, our, our goal in that, we, we, we'd love to see some Alpha courses birthed in that, in that Bridgewater-Gagebrook region. For me, I'd say, yeah, that's a success. We've, we, we've, you know, we've, we've hit what we were believing for. I, I believe that God's going to go over and above, but... But 
and I'm not promising anything, but I know I carry it in my heart. But wouldn't it be great if we, wouldn't it be great if we had a service out there every Sunday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or whatever day worked? But wouldn't it be great if, if that if that if that was something that we could launch? You know, there, there's the vision. But you know what? We've actually got to pull that back a little bit because I could actually say, and you know, get our team fired up and say, hey, let's go there, let's do that, and there'd be a level of of enthusiasm around that but the, the the immediate question is oh who's going to go who's going to be there who's going to carry it and the thing that is going to hold us from some of the vision that we have isn't I, I don't think it's it's even money see a couple of our board members here and they might say yeah we could do a lot more with a lot more money of course we could but it's actually people people who have got to a a level of maturity and freedom in their faith so that God can use them and so the journey is going to be much more about preparing and building and making disciples even than it is about the bright lights because it is in the raising up disciples and leaders that we can actually fulfill the calling on our life and, and that, that never sounds ultra ultra exciting when you hear it like that but I, I think it really really truly will be and those those four promises that I read out before I think are core to the fact that we're all on that journey somewhere that there are so many people in this city that have that have got to that have got to get hold of that promise of salvation that they get set free their eternity is sure they come into the kingdom of God and then I would say by and large the big percentage the church, so that's our church and other churches are, are really battling with that journey of deliverance that's, that's getting the stuff out of us that holds us back and, and that's where we've really got to come together and say hey we're going to go on this journey together we're, we're going we're to get free of some of these things and, and for some people it's like I'm going to get free of this once and for all and, and, and we're going to go on and then, you know, then there's that, that place where you actually start come into purpose see once, once you're delivered and set free you can actually start to think about purpose you can start to think about what God has for you and then the last promise in that was the Hebrews when they do the Passover they call it the cup of praise and, and it's more than just a coming together and rah rah it's actually you know what I've put you in a family I've put you together I've connected you in a community so that you can go forward and celebrate all that he's doing together and you can really, really live with the joy of being in his purpose. So we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that as we, as we come into Vision Sunday. But as we finish here this morning, I want to talk into a, into a couple of areas and just get you to, to respond. I'm, I'm just going to do this quietly and without any hype. 